listening to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Cherry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast today. And Merry Christmas. We are nearing the height of the holiday season. How to be merry this Christmas. We're going to look at four tips today. Let me say, with a house full of 10 people, a key survival strategy is organization. That is how we make life happen. And frankly, it is one of my stronger suits. I run a tight ship. But the last couple of years, life has been working against us. We are in a long season of disorder. There are often aspects of life you and I can't control. And for me, and likely you, three more things turn right up in the middle of everything else you're trying to accomplish. As if in my life, a move, new jobs, new friends, new church, no family, and the financial burdens that have been placed upon us because of a natural disaster in the middle of a hurricane, if that were not enough in the past 48 hours, we just experienced 17 people staying at our house for some holiday festivities. Part of the glass fell out of the front door, light got busted off the wall with a basketball, and something about a tree and chasing some people. One of my sons knocked out the other son's tooth in a collision. I don't know. And somewhere in the middle of that, uh, this morning with the fog and the rain, there was a collision with the vehicle and uh, my daughters were involved. And then there was a swim meet and of course a cross country meet. And then my husband's birthday was thrown right in the middle of it. And you know, you just can't make this stuff up. And that is what I know about. We are still collecting water in buckets in our living room and other places with bare walls and studs for ceilings and other parts of our house. I I can't make this stuff go away. These are just things that we learn to deal with and likely you can't make the crazy details of your life disappear either. Or maybe you're like one of my neighbors and would prefer the holidays to just disappear because it's just too painful. There has been maybe a divorce or there is no family anywhere that you can visit with and you're lonely. Or maybe like my neighbor, there was not only that and there's loneliness, but then there was the death of a child. The Mary in Christmas can be just sucked right out with our pain when you feel such loss and you have no hope in Christ. Or maybe you're like my very good friend who's lost loved ones and the new normal is just too different and it makes the holidays very, very uncomfortable to endure, much less to be merry and in full of joy during them. Christmas time can be void of merriment to many of us. Too often life has been filled with burdens all year long, too great to allow you the energy for expending with financial responsibilities you cannot meet or impossible health issues, difficult relationships, or maybe you have found yourself in an area that is not welcoming to the gospel. Being a Christian or expressing your beliefs is causing difficulties for you and for your family. All these are genuine issues for everyday people. How then can we be merry this Christmas? Well, first of all, we have a Savior who lives to intercede for us. He lives to intercede for us. We find this principle in Hebrews where the writer is explaining 
the old covenant it's very deep it's very rich and heavy but the writer is trying to explain the old covenant of the law and the priests and the sacrifices and explain that that was the forerunner to this new covenant of Jesus that it did not catch God off guard or by surprise but was the absolute plan from the beginning that is what Hebrews is about it's somewhat complicated to the non-Jew who did not live under that system what I want to pick up on on this point is this element of priestly responsibility in the old covenant the priests were chosen by God to come from one particular family line and among other responsibilities they were to offer sacrifices on behalf of the people and their sins and to pray for them the priest stood in the gap as an imperfect mediator between God and man to offer prayers on their behalf so the writer is explaining how this first covenant is imperfect and God put into place the more perfect way making Jesus the priest forever he sets this up in chapter 7 he starts in verse 18 kind of to get us into it in verse 18 for on the one hand a former commandment is set aside because of its weakness and uselessness he's talking about the law for the law made nothing perfect but on the other hand a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God and then he's going to express that that was the law and now he's done something better with Christ consequently Jesus he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them we have a Savior who constantly intercedes for us I don't know if you've ever let that truth resonate on you he intercedes for you that is why you can have such confidence drawing near to God why can you and I be merry in the midst of our mayhem and imperfect circumstances because every single day every moment Jesus is interceding on our behalf let that lift your spirits today your Savior intercedes for you every single day and secondly we keep our eyes on him that is how we can keep our Mary in our Merry Christmas there was a king in Judah who was facing horrific odds the enemy was about to be upon him he was outnumbered we pick up this story in 2nd Chronicles in 20 we were just reading this we're going through 2nd Chronicles with our kids at night and it just struck me I thought that's perfect it just talks about in the first of the chapter after this the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Mennonites came up against Jehoshaphat for battle and some men came and told Jehoshaphat a great multitude is coming against you from Edom and so all these people are coming and he becomes afraid and he goes to the Lord pulls the people together and by about verse 12 he says oh our God will you not execute judgment for them for we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us we do not know what to do but our eyes are on you that's what we need to do we can come before him like Jehoshaphat and he will be just as faithful they come before him and bring their burdens before him and the Lord is faithful we need to keep our eyes on him the next thing we need to remember do is wait right here the next thing we see Jehoshaphat do is in verse 13 meanwhile all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones their wives and their children they just waited right there in the in between of knowing what to do and not knowing what to do we wait right here with our eyes focused on him we wait and what do we do while we wait we recall what he's been doing in the past how do you know he's going to be faithful in the future because he's done it before because we have oodles and oodles of pieces of evidence that he's going to do it again and secondly 
we think about his greatness. We recall how great he is, and it helps us remember he is able to do what we need him to do. That's how we wait. And finally, before he has cleared the fog, before he has done anything for you, sing. Look at Jehoshaphat's example. When he was told what God was going to do, how God was going to come through for him, he does something that's absolutely uncanny. He could have turned inward because there was absolutely no evidence that God was going to come through for him. None. The thing could have turned out differently. God says to him, I'm going to do this for you. You're going to have to sit there and watch. And the king here could have questioned, could have balked, could have writhed, could have instigated and planned differently and said, I'm just going to do this myself. That's crazy. To do his own thing in case God wasn't going to come through for him this time. You and I do it all the time. That's not what he does. That's not what he does at all. Instead, he gathers his people to sing. He says in verse 20, he says, Hear me, Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in his holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Before the God of the universe has cleared the fog of your life. Before he's done anything, we should sing. John Piper tells a story of something that happened to him in his ministry during his time at at Bethlehem Baptist while he was serving as pastor. I may not get all the details correct. Basically, the story goes like this, and I want to preface this, that he's a Southern Baptist preacher, and I am traditionally a Southern Baptist girl, uh, so I'm a hard sell. And this is John Piper, and he is a hard sell. I, but I know enough about scripture and what is in there to believe uh, what I'm about to tell you. But please fact check me. Check it out yourself at Desiring God and always do. Apparently, the way he tells it, there was a woman that he and maybe a couple of other leaders, uh, elders or, or leaders in their church had been working with. And she was in a very dark emotional and mental state. This had gone on for a little while, I think. One evening, uh, he got a call and called a couple of other people and they met together with her and they believed based on the evidence that was there and her presence and what she was doing, saying, and acting like that she was possessed by a demon. And so they prayed over her. They quoted scripture over her for hours and she would respond in certain ways. And from the way he described it, it was a very intense experience. Nothing was working. They were just sort of without resource except sitting before God saying, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I mean, we are not equipped for this. This is a very difficult spiritual battle here that you have placed us in. And after they had been with her for quite a while doing these things, finally one of the people in the room just began to sing a hymn. It changed the entire encounter. And that is what freed her from this attack on her life. What he began to describe was the element of praise and worship, that that is part of the worship, that is part of our spiritual our, our spiritual armor that we have. If you think about it, we have 150 Psalms in the Bible. Why do we have so many? Because of our heart. Our heart needs it. Proverbs 4 says that the heart is deceitful above all things. And Ezekiel 16 
there is a verse that says, how sick is your heart? Our hearts are not trustworthy. We go up and down and up and down and up and down, and we can be swayed so easily. Our hearts must be focused. Music and singing draws us back to a place of worship and a place of focus. And this is what we see this king do. Finally, this week when we were at church, it's the season where you're singing Christmas carols. And our worship leader began the service in Christmas carols. And they're so beautiful. And the setting was perfect with the trees and everything. And we all love to sing them. The words just come out if you've been in church or you know the songs at all. But then something happened when we moved into the music that reflected the glory of God and the praise to Him. And everyone, it just seemed like our voices changed. We were more participatory. The whole atmosphere changed and the sounds changed. It was no longer focused on us, but on Him. It was more outward. I don't know where God has you in this particular season of life, but for most of us, it is not absent of the need to resist turning inward and focusing on our own hardships and our own problems. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, for unto us a Savior is born. You and I have more than enough reason to hope to focus on Him, to praise Him for His magnificent gift before our lives on earth are as we would like them to be. Let us praise the God of the universe for giving us life here and forevermore that is more than it should be and greater than we can imagine. Wherever you are, may you remember you have a Savior who intercedes for you constantly. May you keep your eyes on Him when you do not know what to do. And in the meantime, just stand before Him and wait right there. And before He clears the fog and before He's done anything, right now, choose to sing, to sing of His greatness and to focus on Him. May you have a very merry Christmas. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.